Imagine a life where you can spend according to your values, give generously, love richly, live intentionally, and handle your finances biblically. That's what the Faith and Finance Podcast is all about. I'm your host, Adrian Hildebrand, and on the Faith and Finance Podcast, we discuss personal finance, intentional living, and value-aligned spending by sharing inspiring stories and practical topics to help you steward your finances in a way that honors God and builds your faith and wealth for the present and generations to come. Let's get started. Hey, Stephanie, welcome to the Faith and Finance Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to have you. You have an incredible story and we're going to just like jump right into it because I'm so stoked to talk to you. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do and your money story. Yeah. So, okay. Where to begin? So my name is Stephanie. I am the founder of a company called Money Muse. I founded the company with the intent to help more women reach financial independence I am a member of the FIRE community, so financial independence, retire early. I like to joke that I am a recovering rocket scientist. So a couple of years ago at 32, I retired from a career uh, at NASA and SpaceX, and since then have been doing my own thing. Like I said, I started this company uh, to help other women with financial independence, and that's my passion. Um, So that's kind of why I do what I do. And what I do is I meet with women one-on-one as a financial coach. I also put on events, host workshops, both online and in real life, talking all about different money topics. So everything about fire and what it is and how to do it. I specialize kind of in investing. So that's my, my secret sauce part that I love talking about so much. And yeah, I, I would love to tell you a little more about my money story. It's not the most glorious, glamorous story ever. I grew up very poor and never really had a lot of money kind of until I was maybe 12 or 13. It was just me and my mom living together, only child, single parent situation. And around 12, my mom met uh, my stepfather and he was, you know, pretty well off good looking, smart guy on a good career trajectory. And for the first time we actually had money. We moved in with him pretty quickly. And for the first time I was living in a house for the first time I had my own room. I thought it was really cool Uh, as a kid, you know, just finally feeling like, you know, I was like my friends in that way. Uh, But my stepdad wasn't a very nice guy. And after a few years, he started drinking and he started being abusive to my mom and eventually to me too. And things got really bad and we had to move out. And I remember feeling so much shame because suddenly we were back in, you know, a really crappy um, apartment that smelled like secondhand smoke. And um, I was ashamed to have my friends come over. I didn't want them to see me living there. Now I had gotten accustomed to my new lifestyle, but at the same time I was safe and I was with my mom again, just the two of us. And it was this pivotal moment in my life where it had been so scary and then I felt, you know, safe again. And so that was a a big thing for me. But after a few months, my mom realized that we, we couldn't afford to live on our own. And so we had to move back in with my stepdad and I sort of lost all the trust that I had in the relationship with my mom um, that we had built all those years together alone. And 
I felt like I didn't understand money at the time, you know, and I didn't know that she literally had no other option. But in my mind, I felt like my safety was compromised or, you know, that my, my stepfather meant more to her than I did. And so at that point, I just told myself that I would never be dependent on anyone. And I told myself I was going to be like as smart as I possibly could be and that I was going to be rich. And so that kind of started my, my money journey. Holy cow. Okay. So first of all, please do not take this wrong way, but it sounds like your life should be like a lifetime movie. I'm serious. Like that's crazy. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's crazy in an amazing way, Stephanie, that you've been able to do exactly what you set out to do, right? To be independent and to be rich and be financially independent or whatever. So that is so encouraging and so amazing. Also, I just want to thank you for sharing your story and being vulnerable, you know, to share kind of those, those hard parts of your story. Um, I don't take that lightly. Thank you too, for sharing that with the audience. It, it just makes the podcast is really real and we try to just be real and relatable around here. And so I appreciate you sharing that story because I, I have a very good feeling that, you know, some of the people listening have been through similar situations of abuse or maybe um, financially they couldn't leave something because of a financial situation. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. It's not like, I don't, I don't get good feelings from sharing it, you know? And so every time I I host an event, I go through this inner monologue of like, should I share the story? And every time I decide to share it because ultimately at the end, people come up to me and say like, thank you for sharing that story. Like I've had a similar thing happen to me. And so especially coming from a place of being like, I'm a retired rocket scientist. I'm financially independent. I want people to know that I'm a real person. Like I, you know, I've had my long money battles to get here. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's why I share. I love, I'm with you though, right? Like I, I, I just gave a presentation last week and I said, our mess can become our message, right? So we go through stuff and it just really shapes us into who we are. And also it shows people that whatever life hands to you, you can make something good out of it, make better of it. You can, yeah. you can be, be whoever you want to be and make those choices. So, okay. You have to tell me why you chose like rocket science. Like where did that <laughs> even start? As a child, everyone's like, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a rocket scientist. Or people say that, what was the saying people used to say um, about rocket science? They would say something about I mean, everyone always says it's not rocket science. Yes. That's the same yes. thing that people say to me all the time, and I just yes. love it. <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about, you know, why, like, where that idea came from. Like, please, just if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that. Yeah, it's nothing like you might think. I never wanted to be a rocket scientist. I didn't care about space at all as a kid. Like, I was busy, like, loving on animals and, and wanting to be a vet and thinking that that was going to be my career path. But what happened was I basically got really aggressive about going to college and I decided that, you know, basically my education and my career was going to be the way that I made my money. Right. So as a kid, like, I don't know, I wasn't thinking about starting a business or anything like that. I was just like, I'm going to go to a good school. I'm going to get like a hard degree and then I'm going to get a hard job. And so as a 17 year old applying for schools, I knew I couldn't afford really to go to like a fancy school but UCLA was pretty close to me. I grew up in San Diego. So I applied for UCLA and I applied for Berkeley. And I was like, I'm going to go to one of these schools. Someone's going to let me in, you know, Hail Mary, please. 
So um, I got into UCLA and this was literally my thought process. I said, like, what's going to be the hardest thing to study? Because I should study whatever the hardest thing is that the least amount of people can do because that's going to pay the most. Like I had no idea what I was doing. So after my first year, at first I was pre-med and I thought, okay, I'll do pre-med. I'll be a vet. Like, that'll be cool. But I realized that at least in my experience, the pre-med kids were, they were not really challenging themselves. In my mind, maybe it was because it was the weeder courses. It was like all memorization. And I was like, I don't want to memorize stuff. Like I want to, I want to do harder work. And at that point I took my first physics class and I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, this runs deep. Like I really, really want to understand physics. It seemed super hard at the time, like understanding like how the world worked around me, but then like the world beyond me just seemed so big and um, like so difficult to imagine that I thought, okay, this is the hardest thing to understand. I'm going to study this. So I switched my major to physics. I was like captivated, just completely obsessed really um, with physics at the time uh, of my first class. And so, yeah, that's, that's basically how it started. Again, I thought if it was the hardest major that that, that, that meant it was going to make the most money, right? Which looking back is hilarious um, because, you know, scientists don't typically make tons of money. But that's how I chose physics. And just kind of keeping in that aggressive mentality, I went to JPL, uh, Jet Propulsion Lab, which was close by. Um, It's a Caltech and NASA lab that's in Pasadena. And I went there looking for an internship. And I really didn't know anything yet because I had just switched my major. But I was determined to get an internship because, again, I thought that's how you get a good job. And that internship actually did lead to a NASA job offer before I graduated. So that's how I kind of fell into space stuff. My first job was actually like a a Big Bang Theory telescope down in Chile. So I, it was just luck, you know, like I was working out in a gym one day at Caltech, like during my internship, I started chatting with someone. They happened to be like a director at the NASA lab. They asked about what I was doing. I told them like, I had some, I had some confidence, you know, and I, I don't know. I just went after it, but honestly, there's definitely an element of luck in every story. And, you know, me getting that first job before I graduated was, was definitely lucky. I like how you say that because quite honestly, too, we have to be, I always say when you're looking for opportunity or when you're just open to opportunity, you can take action. And so when you met that random person right at the, at the gym, it was like, oh, this is my opportunity, right? Like, yeah. you have to like think about things like that too. And I think we just have to be open to kind of like anything's possible, right? Like anything is possible. So that's amazing. First of all, I love too that you were like, uh, I want to study rocket science because it's hard. Like being a doctor is not hard enough. It's fine. I love that. That's amazing. That's amazing. I just hated flash cars. I just couldn't do it. And it was so competitive. Like yeah. I just remember looking around and, and people like wouldn't share notes with you. And I thought this isn't the right kind of like competitive. Like, I don't know. It didn't, it just didn't suit me. So. Okay. So then through the course of all of this, we're kind of just traveling down your story. When did you kind of find out about the financial independence movement? When did you start? How did money, how was money shaping your life at that point when you got your job, you know, your internship? Yeah. Sort of talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So I will say like, even to back up like a little bit further during this time, I had started to kind of hoard my money. So at 15, I got my first job, like getting paid under the table. I basically have never not had a job since. So I just worked job after job in high school. I started like stacking and hiding money around my room. I eventually opened a savings account. And as soon as I turned 18 and and started going to college, I was looking about like I was trying to learn about investing because I had heard that investing is how people make money. Again, I didn't know anything about it. Um, And so my very first experience with investing was like looking up how to invest, like how can a person invest? Could I even invest at 18? Like I didn't even know if I was able to. Because I didn't know anything about it, I ended up hiring someone to open a Roth IRA for me at the age of 18, which in hindsight is like, it was good and bad. Like I was definitely paying high fees. This person was investing my $50, you know, and I was paying trading fees and all that. So it was not the best experience, but still I was investing at 18. So that was awesome. Um, And like I said, I was working. So I was kind of shoveling my money towards my uh, IRA at 18 so that, you know, I kind of got that experience. And from there, I started learning more about it. And I got interested. I think I I really wanted to buy my first stock around 19 when I was a sophomore in college. And I remember I had a boyfriend at the time, we were talking about different companies. I don't even know how I started talking about this or how I got interested, but I really wanted to buy Apple stock. (laughs) And um, I think I got my like iPod or something like that. And I was like, I wonder if this company is going to be around for a while. I wonder if they're going to make it big, you know, Again, no idea what I was doing, but so I bought some Apple stock on my own, just like on E-Trade. And then I remember thinking, gosh, you know, I just did this on my own. It wasn't that hard. I wonder if I really need that guy that's managing my Roth IRA. And so I think maybe a year later after sitting with that, I decided, you know what, I'm going to just open my own IRA and do it myself. Again, lots of Googling and Googling is what led me to find the FIRE community. And I'm pretty sure that It was Mr. Money Mustache that I first discovered. And I remember kind of like I had a love-hate with the information I was reading at the time. Um, I was kind of like, oh, I don't like the style of this, but I love what they're saying, you know? And it kind of tapped into my wild independence thing. And I, I was basically hooked. Like I was not a big follower of the FIRE community early on. Um, and I've never really felt like super integrated into the community, but they have always kind of been there in the background, you know, with these ideas. And when I needed help, when I needed to learn, I was just Googling and just like making it up as I, as I went along. And around 22, when I got my job at NASA, then I suddenly had a 401k, right? So then I was learning about that type of retirement account. And again, shoveling as much money in there as I could. And from there, it just slowly progressed. I I like had a good experience with my Apple stock. So I was like, oh, I want to learn to trade individual stocks and not just like index funds, which were, which were and are the hot thing, you know? (laughs) So um, I eventually hired a broker to kind of like teach me about individual stocks. And then I eventually fired that broker when I decided I could do a better job than he could. And now like we get to where I am today, which is I invest in basically only individual companies, which is extremely risky. And I don't recommend to my friends, families, clients, or, or basically anyone else, but um, I'm having a great time doing it. I've been doing it now for a long time and I really like the returns. So, but I also spend, you know, at least five hours a week researching the companies that I invest in and 
during an investing period, which I only invest like once or twice a year, and I'm a buy and hold forever type of gal, then I'm spending a lot more time on it. Then it's like a full-time job for a few weeks. uh, And then in the meantime, just kind of keeping up with it. So that's kind of at least how my investing and, and money stuff evolved. There's so many things you just mentioned that were so great. So number one, I love that um, basically your, your curiosity, kind of that thing I was talking about looking for opportunities, just being open opportunities is kind of what led you down the rabbit hole, right? Like yeah. being curious and saying, well, I kind of want to invest. I heard somewhere that if you invest, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then you start Googling in the internet and then you find Mr. Money Mustache and you're, and I'm with you too. Like, I think what Mr. Money Mustache does is amazing, but I don't want to live quite that frugally. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, um, I kind of want to do now, you know, the terms have evolved to like fat fire, which is basically having, you know, a little bit more money than, you know, living on the bare minimum and everything. But, but the, but the principle is still amazing. You know, um, I've been kind of on my own journey to like figuring that out. And of course I want to be financially independent, not quite there yet, but on my way. But I love that because you were like, you know what, like, and I kind of want to trade stocks, like, and I love that, you, too, you know, for the average bear, probably don't do that. So for everyone listening, like, if you don't want to be invested in what time invested in uh, what you're doing, like, don't probably don't do it. She's just said, I spend like at least five hours a week researching. Yeah, <laughs> at least. So I do have a question though. So when you, and we'll get more into this, but when you became financially independent, like, what were you, are you living or were you planning on living on your like retirement investments or, or, or on your individual stock investing? Like how was that planned out? Yeah. So first of all, I would say that I was obsessed with being financially independent, but not necessarily on the terms of like the fire movement. So in the fire movement, it's like you're in this accumulation phase where you're saving up as much money as you possibly can with the idea that at some point you're going to retire, quote unquote, stop working and then live off the money that you saved. For me, like I just wanted to be wealthy. I was obsessed with the idea of being rich um, because I still had like this childlike mindset that was, you know, created in this time of of trauma for me when I was young, right? So it didn't I didn't really ever want to stop. I just had this idea that I wanted to be rich. I was just accumulating as much money as possible. I was putting it both into, you know, my IRAs, 401ks. And also uh, just brokerage accounts within my 401ks, you know, I had limited investing options. So I was investing in index funds. And then when I would leave those jobs, I would roll them over and kind of reinvest into what I wanted within my IRA. So, you know, I have money both inside and outside of retirement accounts now. Um, But what really kind of pushed me over the edge in terms of fire was when I built my house in Greece. So I was born in Greece. It is like a full on Mama Mia story. Like my mom went there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This story just keeps getting better. It's just absurd. Like honestly, all these stories are absurd. But my mom went to study abroad at like age 19, met my father and stayed for 10 years. So it was supposed to be like a summer aerobics teaching and singing thing at a hotel. Stop like it. just Stop absurd. Great. <laughs> like Mama Mia vibes right now. Like totally. oh my goodness. <laughs> she was singing in his disco, like no joke, singing for people who are like traveling to Greece on vacation. And she met my dad and, you know, just decided to stay. And her whole family was like, what? What do you mean you're not coming home? Like So yeah, she married my father. She had me. They were together for a long time. But when I was like three, 
things started to fall apart and she basically left the country. And I kid you not, there is some confusion over whether or not she kidnapped me. Like my Greek family says she basically like snuck me out of the country. And she says like, no, my dad bought her the ticket. So I grew up with absolutely no contact with my Greek father, just kind of knowing that I had one across the world. So I could go into that. I mean, that is a crazy story too. Like when I was 20 years old, we tracked him down. I was studying abroad in Australia and I'm like, I'm coming to Greece. If you want to meet me, great. If you don't, I'm coming anyway. Uh, And it was like a paper letter, you know, like it was not, I didn't have his email or something, you know? So all right, we need Lifetime to come in here and just like, (laughs) I'm going to send this to Lifetime and be like, y'all need to do a movie about this girl. (laughs) I don't I mean these are at this point it's like not even my stories they're just so absurd like my my family is just crazy but yeah so I like showed up and just like a movie like the second I get off the plane I see my dad I've never like met talked to or like really seen pictures of him and I just knew it was my dad like I saw him in a sea of Greek people and I was like that's my dad <laughs> and it was nuts and you know trying to get to know your father as an adult is an interesting experience. And one thing that kind of came out of all of this was the idea that one day maybe we would build a house together. And I think we both saw it as a project for us to do together, you know, to kind of build the relationship, share something. Um, he wanted to do something for me that would be kind of like a favor. So he's in the business of basically building houses and then renting them in the summer to tourists. And so I had, you know, joined SpaceX. I was making good money. I was saving a lot of money, like 70% of my income at the time. Um, And I was also investing in the company stock and doing crazy risky things like taking out personal loans to buy the company stock. Like just, like I said, just fully, fully going for it, knowing it was crazy risky and just, again, trying to like get rich, right? So some of the things worked out for me and I ended up with some money that I used to build a villa with my dad. So at 30 years old, I left my SpaceX job. I moved to Europe. The idea was to move there for a year. I brought my cat, you know, the whole thing. And I went and moved to Greece and like found a piece of land with my dad, like looked at the designs and and started planning a villa. And that was what pushed me over the edge in terms of waking up one day and realizing like, oh, I actually now have enough income like on an annual basis to stop working. That was the thing that makes up, you know, 50% of my annual income just comes from renting this villa for a few months a year. So that was really, that was really the breaking point where I had all these investments. I knew I wasn't going to sell, you know, my retirement investments. But when I saw that money coming in on a regular basis annually from the villa, that was when I, I realized like, oh, I can actually just not work now. So it crept up on me faster. I don't think I knew that like the villa was going to work out. It was more just a project to like get to know my father. But when it did work out like that, that really changed things from a quote unquote fire perspective because I, I had the income and, you know, in all of the fire community calculations, like one thing that we don't talk about that much is the fact that like most people, when they become financially independent, don't just like go sit on a beach. Like we do stuff, right? Like, right. Motivated. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I like immediately started teaching bar and like started a business and those things happen to make money. And if I had factored that into my calculations, I probably could have retired even earlier. 
You just live and you learn. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, and I also like that you say that too, because that's what I say about the fire movement too. It's like, it's not that you don't ever want to work again, but it's, it's, I always say it's like you have the upper hand and not your employer. Like you can say at any point in life that I don't have to do this job anymore. It's not aligning with your, with your values or um, what you want to do. That's what I always say. I'm so with you on that because most of us, you're right. Like work, I really think work, meaningful work fuels all of us, right? Like we all have an innate want to be creative and to do things and to serve others. I think like, I think we would, I would just get, be so devastated, I guess, if I never worked again. Right. So I love that you mentioned that. So, okay. So, wow, this is just incredible. We're going to get to talking about your business in a second, but I do have one question. So I know you said, I wanted, I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be rich because, and you kind of mentioned too, because of what happened in your life and never wanting to have to count on anyone else. So has your idea, or I guess maybe philosophy of rich changed over time? If not, that's okay too. I was just curious if maybe now you have done some work on, you know, mindset or like whatever that looks like. Yeah. Still just, Oh yeah. Wrong with like being, wrong, you know? <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's totally, it's changed a lot over time and it is still changing. I am not going to lie. It is something I still struggle with. Like I was having a conversation last night with my brand new husband about sharing money. And I'm just like, what? it is a lot for me. It's a lot for me to trust and like not have fear around money, which is why like on my website, you know, my story is, is called like everything I have, I owe to fear. Like this was a fear driven success story, (laughs) you know, but I have done a lot of work on it and I have certainly done plenty of therapy, which has helped me a lot. I try to see money a little bit differently now. Like I understand that I got to where I am because of what happened to me and because of, of who I became with what I experienced but I am in a place now where I no longer need some of those drives. Um, Like I'm in a safe place now where I have enough. And so I don't need to be obsessed with building wealth, but somewhere deep down, like there still is a little, a little like reptile brain. That's like, okay, we need to make more. (laughs) So, yeah. um, But you know, it's a process and it is like a, a practice too, of just being like, like I have enough, I am enough, I do enough, you know? So it's an ongoing thing. (laughs) Yeah. But thanks for being real about that too, because we all have our own thoughts about money and our own, um, I guess, limiting beliefs or how we, that's, that's in everything, not just about money, but in life. Right. So thanks Mm -hmm. for being open and talking about that. Yeah, of course. You became financially independent. You realized that. So like, what was your exit strategy for, NASA, space, SpaceX, what was your exit strategy for that? And then like, at what point did you decide to start starting your, your business of what you do now? Yeah. So even the first time I left SpaceX at age 30, like that was a really, really hard thing to do. It's just incredibly hard to leave a career. Um, especially one that like you have put your soul into. And when I started at SpaceX, it was a pretty small company and I worked there on and off for eight years. So at that point, it was like a, a part of my identity. And, you know, doing hard things was a part of my identity at that point. So walking away at 30 was incredibly hard, but I knew I needed to go to Greece and like get to know my dad 
But after about nine months in Europe, I started to panic and I started to feel like, what if I could never get a job again? Which of course, looking back is totally not true, but that's that fear mentality that like drives so much of our decisions when we you know, don't really dig into them. So I came back to the US, SpaceX lured me back with a job. So I joined SpaceX again, this time um, based in Seattle. And at that point, SpaceX was trying to do a brand new thing, which was design and launch their first satellites that, that were theirs instead of a customer's satellites. And I got really on board with that mission and got really excited to do like something for the first time and kind of went all in. And then again, after, you know, about a year and a half, I just thought, you know what, I think I'm, I'm really done. I think I'm done, done. Um, and all this time I had been running the numbers and I was like, yeah, I think I'm set. I don't think I need this job. So I quit. Again, it was really hard. And after only a month, I ended up doing some consulting contracting work. So then I was getting paid double on an hourly basis, but working half time. So I was like, oh, I've made it. Like, this is awesome. But then again, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to quit. And like, it's scary to quit, but I need to do it. And so that was kind of like a little like stepping stone to quitting fully. And then after that, then I decided like, for real, I'm done. It was a really scary time. I, I joined a co-working space and I felt confident in the decision to leave. I knew I could afford it, but I just didn't know, you know, how I wanted to spend all of my time. I knew I needed a bigger project than just the, the little things I was doing. Like I had made a list and I was like learning to make sourdough bread. I was going through bar teacher training. I was like reading, you know, at least one book a week. And it was all great, but I knew I needed something bigger. And after a few months of working at The Riveter, which is a like female-focused co-working space that was founded in Seattle, I just thought, you know, all these people are always asking me about money and, you know, how I do it and how I invest and what FIRE is. Like, and I'm helping people all the time that I know. I just kind of, it just dawned on me that maybe I could help people that I don't know. And that was literally the impetus for starting Money Muse because it was something I was already passionate about. But for whatever reason, it just had never occurred to me that I could help people that I didn't know with money because, you know, I'm not a financial advisor or I don't have any certifications. But I realized that there was this whole other group of people called financial coaches who help people with money. It's not regulated by the government in any way. So like for better or worse, right, there are going to be some people who are financial coaches who are probably saying stuff that's less than ideal, but there are a lot of really good people out there who are financial coaches. And certainly I put myself in that category. (laughs) So um, I, you know, I help people uh, with everything from like creating a budget to reviewing their investments and just seeing, you know, how the how the fees are looking and how much of their money they're losing to fees and are there options for investing in a better way. And I love the work I do and it's not particularly complicated, but because money is such like a, an intense subject for people, a lot of times people just like open their accounts and they just kind of like shut down. You know, it's like they can't, they can't even like read what it says about some fees because they're just like, Oh my gosh, like I can't do this. Like this is stressful. So it really is kind of a, a, a mix between like a, a coaching and like a life coaching and then like the actual tactical get it done money stuff. So I love it. And I love talking about money and I love talking to women about money. So it's such a natural thing for me to be doing. And I love speaking to people and like engaging with people in real life. So, you know, going to people's places of business and like talking about investing or having my own events. Like I just, it just really lights me up. So I love it. (laughs) 
I also have a background in financial services and that was not what I wanted to do. I just kept saying, I just want to educate people. Like I don't want to sell people stuff. I just want to help them change their habits and change the conversation around money. Right. Like that Mm -hmm. it's okay to need help sometimes too. Right. Like it's okay. Um, and because I've been there, there's no judgment. So I totally get it. And not so much the financial coaches, but I think the regulated, and this is a probably a side conversation, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Sometimes <laughs> the regulated industry is more jacked up than... Oh, man. It, it's it's yeah. sad. So it's I say sad. all that to say, I, I don't want people to fear money because the financial services industry, in, to some capacity, has made it feel very unapproachable. And you have to be a, a uh, you have to be a genius or an advisor to understand this stuff when that's right. not the reality. That's not true. Not all advisors obviously are, but that's not what I'm saying at all. But um, just coming from that background, you know, I just want to help people to be educated and to understand like the why of why all this matters and, and getting aligned with your values and why any of this, like, why do, do you care? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I totally get that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I think education is so important, right? It's like, it's like the cheesy metaphor of like teaching a man to fish versus, you know, selling him a fish, right? right? I want people to be able to understand investing and their finances. And I want them to feel like they can do it for yeah. life, right? Like they know yeah. enough now to do it. No, I'm with you. I'm like always, I'm so about that too. Like, I don't want you to need me in a year, <laughs> you know, like I don't want you to be dependent on me because I want people to be, of course, financially independent, but, but independent in their decision-making and, and knowing that and having the confidence that I can do this. Like I can do this. I just need yeah. a little help. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. So you've talked a lot, you know, about yourself and your business, and this has just been a fascinating, amazing conversation. Is there anything else that you feel like you want to leave with the audience today? What I want to say is just that I truly believe that everyone is capable of, you know, reaching financial independence and managing their money. Everyone has a different background and story and is coming from a different place. But if you are someone who's interested in financial independence, or specifically what I kind of specialize in is helping people learn to invest so that you know they can they can manage their own money and become financially independent on their own terms. That's certainly something I can help with. I do online workshops, I do in real life workshops, and I work with people, you know, one-on-one as a financial coach. So if that's something you're interested in, you can find me on my website at themoneymuse.co. Or even if you just want to like follow along the adventures of Money Muse and um, kind of join my money conversation, I'm on Instagram as Money Muse with two underscores because I'm extra and because the original Money Muse is taken by like a 13-year-old kid. I was like, dang it. (laughs) But yeah, um, I'm on there. I love getting questions about money from people there and I'll answer them live. And um, I have a a pretty good time on social media, actually, even though it's not my favorite medium in the world. uh, I make it work. Yeah, I love that. And we'll make sure we link everything um, about you in the show notes and to for people to connect with you. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.